Well, welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined with author Nico Bell to talk about books that feel like those B-horror movies we used to rent in the video store. I did get the pronunciation right, right? I didn't ask. Yes. No, yeah, you did. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for having me. That's perfect. I'm really excited to be here talking about B-horror. I love B-horror. It's one of my favorite subgenres in the horror. So I'm excited. It is fun. And I mean, well-beloved within the genre. Oh, for sure. There's definitely just so much excitement that revolves around B-horror and the gore and the costumes and the settings and everything that it is it's it's a great it's a great way to get into horror for sure (laughs) is to start with some of these really ridiculous films and books and yeah I love it perfect we were talking about this before we started recording but it's almost difficult to kind of define or put into words what makes like be horror so how would you define it I think like classically it's defined as a low budget film that has maybe like a cult following to it. I I think it is a feeling. I think you kind of hit on that. You know, it's something that sort of knows it's in on the joke. You know, it kind of winks at the camera <laughs> with how ridiculous or over the top it is. It can be gory, it can be silly, comedic. Um, but there's definitely something about it that doesn't take itself too seriously, um, whether it intends to be that way or not. <laughs> it's definitely a feeling of fun and scary, but overall fun. Yeah, I kind of got that too. Yeah, it is kind of this like low budget movie feel. And I was trying to like think like, okay, is it kind of over the top? concepts like we'll talk later but like slither you know this like thing but then I'm like there's also like slashers that are considered kind of like b-horror like the dentist or the stepfather yes oh my gosh for sure yeah oh I forgot about that movie you just brought back like terror when I saw that movie when I was too young to be watching it um But yeah, although you could say like stuff like that is still like so exaggerated. Um, The horror elements, the gore elements, the characters, there is an exaggeration to them. Maybe it pushes it way past where we expect it to go. Maybe that could be Mm -hmm. part of a definition of B-horror. It doesn't really like, it doesn't stop where we think, okay, this is good. We're scared. We're terrified. And then it just goes a little bit more, perhaps. Oh my gosh. I just was thinking of the dentist scene where he like pulls back the mouth and there's all these rows of teeth and, and yeah. But like even something like that, you know, it's just it's so ridiculous that a part of you is terrified, but a part of you is like, This is wild, this is fun. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have nightmares, but I'll get over it quickly, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The dentist was one of those movies that I saw all the time in Blockbuster. I was so intrigued by it. I would look at all the pictures on the back of the covers. That's what I would do. I would just hang out in the horror section and like pick up the VHS tapes and like look at the little, you know, picture snippets that they would have on the back and just be like, ooh, like feel like I was doing something dangerous. Those were the fun days, right? Browsing through Blockbuster, picking up the little cover cases. (laughs) Oh, so sad that people don't get to experience that anymore. (laughs) 
I mean, we have Tubi, which is kind of like the streaming equivalent of that, I guess, nowadays. I'm sure we'll have like in a few years people being like, oh, you know, we would have people over and just like find the craziest sounding movie on Tubi or something like that. Oh my goodness, I feel very old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, those movies were always, those movies were always really fun to be, uh, you know, to watch and explore <laughs> with like a group of friends and... <laughs> you know the jump scares and just it's just fun it feels like you're part of a community watching them and experiencing them and um yeah just having a good time laughing out loud (laughs) where perhaps the director didn't mean for you to laugh (laughs) that's always fun yeah I mean I guess modern day something close we would have to that I guess would be kind of like the drive-in with Joe Bob on Shutter, where I guess it is like a, a community live event of kind of watching these old I mean they're not always campy movies but a lot yeah yeah that's, campy that's movies a lot of fun with... yeah for sure I think that's that's a good example yeah that's great yeah and it is interesting because it's something that I think yeah derived from film but that we see translated into books so how does that happen if it's coming from like a low budget film aesthetic yeah, it's it's trickier because, you know, when you think B-horror, I think a lot of people might naturally go to films first, but there's certainly plenty of books out there that fall into that category. Um, translating that into, you know, words is always, it's always a lot of fun. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is like the Rewind or Die from Unnerving series because they specifically put out a call for B-horror um, and gave a bunch of really fun examples like Tremors or Leprechaun or those type of movies to kind of draw inspiration from. So to get that feeling on paper, it's a lot of, over-the-top death scenes or (laughs) like creatures that you just wouldn't expect to go you know crazy on people things like that you know so it's it's really very parallel between the two worlds (laughs) yeah I mean you wrote one of the rewinder die novellas um about I mean a killer pizza Kind of, right? It was like a bagel at first. So it's like killer food. It's yeah. a, It was about a, um, a high school girl who's trying to get in with the in crowd. She does this like initiation that goes wrong. Um, it ends up summoning. Yeah. <laughs> it ends up making an oven come alive with magic. And then food comes alive. And then it's just a big free for all. There's like a giant croissant chasing down um, a teenager and like a brownie monster. So yeah, so that definitely was a lot of fun to write. And it was really just like taking off kind of the blinders when you write horror and trying to fit, you know, into like the plot structure of a horror and just being like, you know what, I am going to make like a cotton candy tornado. That's going to happen. We're going to do that and not being like afraid to do that. So that's what I think be horror is, you know, it's kind of being like, we're just going to go for it. And if it lands, it lands. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. So there's kind of like a fearlessness to to people who write and direct <laughs> be horror I think I, I love it so perhaps I'm biased but that's what I think <laughs> I mean I did love that it was so fun just the idea of this like home ec classroom in this high school and then having this witchy element it's just it's fun yeah yeah and that's really what it is it's like just it's just fun you know it's escapism for an hour or two out of the crazy world that we're living in to just dive into a world that is completely unrealistic but just fun yeah i think something i saw going on in twitter like a a kind of debate that was going on was i think talking about self-awareness and like 
in B horror, does it always need to have like a wink to the camera or like uh, we're aware of what's going on or does it succeed when it's like, no, we are fully bought into this concept. We're like, this is our reality. This is it. I think either works. I love reading like from directors and actors who do that type of stuff or authors who do that type of stuff to see if they really were serious. Like if they really intended to put something out that or if they were just like, we know that we've gone off the deep end and we're just going to go crazy. Um, like with Velocipaster, which is one of like the best B-horror movies ever. There's an interview with like the guy who directed and wrote it. And he said like he tried to make it serious. And he was like, I'm going to talk about good and evil and defeating. And then he's like, no, this is a story about a man who turns into a, a dinosaur. So I think there is definitely an awareness at some point. <laughs> Even with like Slither, you know, like at some point we're like, we're just getting, we're just going full on creatures, gore, guts, fun, you know. So perhaps, perhaps <laughs> there's always some sort of wink to the camera. I love that. And I wanted to know, I guess, is this something that authors wear like a badge of honor? I hope so. I hope they love it as much as like I love it. I know people who do like unnerving, obviously, we've done it on purpose. But for the people that maybe like we talk about books, and maybe like one of the authors is listening, and they're like, Oh, no, that wasn't my book. <laughs> like, I didn't mean to write before. Like, no, that it's just it's out of love that we love it. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I hope that they wear it as a badge of honor, because there's always this talk, there's always this debate in horror and in genre fiction in general about if it's literature, if it's worthy of like award status or whatever, you know, there's always this debate about it. Um, but there's, there's always room for books like, you know, the, that the unnerving series because people just want to have fun and escape from reality for a couple of hours. So it doesn't need to be like a Vonnegut book. <laughs> Not every book wants to be a Vonnegut book. So I hope that people who write this stuff, whether intended or not, I hope that at least, you know, the knowing that we have enjoyed it and gotten, you know, some sort of excitement from reading it is enough of a badge of honor for them. I would love it. I would love for people, like even my book, like Beyond the Creek has B elements to it. I would love for people to, you know, say, oh, well, that's, that gets pretty campy in the middle there. And, and that's fun, you know, not necessarily what I was going for, but you know what? Still fun. Still fun. <laughs> I hope they, I hope people wear it as a badge of honor. I hope so. I'm glad you brought up the exact scenario that I was thinking of. <laughs> It's like, where it's like I talk about a book and the author's like, that is not, no, false. I'm writing an email right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely, I think all authors want their books to be read and enjoyed and consumed. And however a reader decides to do that, that's up to them. And that's totally cool. Like, it's just, it's for entertainment, enjoyment. That's totally cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess in a way it is up to the audience to... Yeah make that, that distinction. distinction yeah for sure as it should be right <laughs> <laughs> they should get a say and as a fan I mean what is the appeal of it I mean we've kind of talked about it a little bit I like the campiness for sure and I like that it's a good stepping stone into horror a lot of people and I'm sure for you as well ask I want to get into horror I don't know where to start I don't want to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre where do I go you know and I always go back to the 80s, into the camp, into like Gremlins or into Killer Clowns from Outer Space because they're so, just like the effects 
and the the scare elements, the scare tactics are are scary for sure, but they're things that are also a lot of fun and you can laugh and enjoy them. Um, and it's just a great stepping stone. So that's that's really what I love about it. I recommend B-horror movies all the time or B-horror books all the time to people who are just dipping their toe in the horror pool. I would agree. I think especially in movies, if you're too scared to watch horror or like what you think of in your head and have blown up as horror, I think yeah, watching something that's cheesy that has like very obvious effects I think really makes it so much more palatable and you can like oh for sure really enjoy it like when it's so obviously like a puppet or a man in a foam costume or like just ketchup for blood or something when it's so obvious it's, it's just it's great you know it's it's a little less scary than watching like the saw movies or whatever you're oh. you know yeah <laughs> Whatever your terrifying horror movies are out there, you know, it's it's definitely more palatable, you know, if you're trying to just ease your way into the genre. Definitely. So what would we say are some good movies that fit into this category? Well, I mentioned Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is one of my all-time favorites. And it's one of the first ones that I watched, like, to get into horror. Um, you know, a bunch of clown aliens land in a field and their spaceship looks like a giant... Um, circus tent and they have these ray guns that shoot popcorn and they're turning people into gelatinous messes and sucking them up out of straws i mean you can't get (laughs) much more silly and ridiculous than that now of course if you're scared of clowns this is gonna terrify you but the costumes are just i'm sure people even if you haven't like seen the movie you've probably seen references to the costumes someplace online um and they're just they're just like these over the top like foam latex whatever was going on back then costumes that are so silly and fun that I think um, that's a great movie that's a great example of like B horror that is good for people to just sort of step into and and enjoy without it being like mega mega scary like I said unless you're scared of clowns <laughs> in which case that would be terrifying. Definitely. I mean, we we've mentioned a few like um, the dentist, as I was saying, and the stepfather with Terry O'Quinn, like the 80s one. I haven't watched the new remake. Not I have the new. Either. Oh, my gosh. Not new. I'm old. That was like well, 2007. Not yeah, new. <laughs> the one that's like on Netflix or some streaming device now that like came out somewhat recently. Yes, I have not seen it either. Yeah, the ones that I picked, I think, are actually more high budget, like B-horror movies. That have come out. Yeah. So I'm thinking like Lake Placid. Oh, for which is like so fun. So fun. So fun. All of those movies, like um, like J Lo was in one, I think, with a oh Anaconda. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, she's in one with a snake. What's that called? Anaconda. Like all of those movies where something's lurking in the lake are so so wild and fun. They're so great. Yes, the Lake Placid is just ridiculous and great. Um, Killer crocodiles, ginormous crocodiles, piranha, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Those are so crazy. I mean, Deep Blue Sea even, I think, falls into that with the the performances, the shark. I mean, just how vindictive that shark is, I think, is camp on its own. (laughs) Exactly, for sure. Is that the one with Samuel L. Jackson? Yes. And he's like standing yes, up is. and making his big speech. And then, yeah, that, <laughs> that's great. I would like to also add uh, 47 meters down 
to like uncaged. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. I love it. Um, Is that more? She's in the first one. She's in 47 meters down. Uh, 47 meters down uncaged is like uh 14 girls in mexico so they're just down at the bottom (laughs) like well it's like there's a whole story where like they go they go to this like they live there they go to this like english speaking school like one of their dads is like an art not um an archaeologist and like he's doing some like cave diving and found this whole like civilization like all these like sculptures underwater oh my gosh that movie is bonkers you're so right the sculptures underwater and the caves underwater and like yes 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 and this like ancient blind shark is there but there's like a f- the the first big jump scare is like they're under the water and this like blind fish is like swimming in front of them and it like opens its mouth and i mean the sound design is like it screams and i'm like we're all underwater (laughs) see it's moments like that (laughs) i forgot about the blind fish oh the the shark oh my gosh yes that's a great example right there i love it and you're right they might be more of high budget like something like velocipaster i think it was like thirty thousand dollar budget or something crazy like that but let me tell you they wow. worked every penny of that movie that movie was glorious from start to finish i gave it five stars unironically i loved everything about it when i tweeted about it the director guy retweeted it i was like my proudest moment on twitter so <laughs> but um but yes those those movies too were just fantastic i love them so much you too and i mean i think probably the biggest one in recent memory malignant (laughs) well i think also that it was dropped without it being advertised as b horror at all like this is the guy that brought us like the conjuring movies yeah and then he went in a different direction for sure (laughs) all i gotta tell you so of course there was a huge buzz on all social media from everyone in the horror community you gotta watch this movie it's so good it's so good it's so good so I Like 20 minutes in, I'm watching it with my husband, my poor husband, who was never a horror fan until I forced him to start watching horror. And he guessed the twist like 20 minutes in. He was like, I know where this is going. I know it. And I was like, there's no way. I was like, I don't care how crazy everyone says this movie is. You are wrong. There is no possible way that is happening. Even I am telling you right now. No. And then then I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I was screaming with excitement that he guessed it right 20 minutes into the movie i was like i have made you a true horror fan <laughs> like that is wild i know i didn't even guess it it was, it was so crazy but that movie for sure has camp in it for sure be horror like the whole time i was sitting watching i was like that wig is awful like her makeup her hair her, like everything is so bad And then it's like, oh, okay. So, I mean, it was just, it was wild. It was a great time. And yeah, being recent, fun. Everyone got a blast out of it. Everybody loved that movie. (laughs) Well, most people. I'm like, I I don't don't know about everybody loved it. (laughs) That's true. It's a bit divided, but I think (laughs) it was fun. I think the twist for most people was unexpected. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was. I feel like that with most movies, I usually like think I know where it's going, but it's always like the first red herring. 
And so when it's like, oh, it's looking like it's this, I'm like, dang it, I'm wrong. If like they're saying that it's looking like it's that an hour into the movie, my guess was wrong. I know. I'm to the point because we watch so much that I just look at like the previews and I'm like, I know where this is going next. I know where this is going next. (laughs) Like, I'm not even like giving these poor movies chances anymore. (laughs) Like you're just you're in this genre so much and you're reading and writing (laughs) and watching it. But Malignant totally blew my mind. It was wild. It was great. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic B-horror camp for sure. I think so. I mean, I went into it kind of knowing that it was going to go that way. And I think that might have helped my viewing of it because I was like, okay, like I fully know what to expect. Like I know this is going to be, from what everyone says, absolutely bonkers and off the wall. I'm like wondering what it would have been like if I'm like, okay, this is the guy that brought us like all of these like horror movie franchises. Like let's see what we have here. And, you know, it's presented like super serious. Like there is no winking to the camera. Yeah, I was a little hesitant because like the Conjuring movies and things like that, like those that type of movie, for whatever reason, really scares me more so than some of the others out there than like Hereditary or things like that. Like those movies, like the jump scares. And I don't even know. So like, I was like, I don't know. I don't really want (laughs) to go down that route. But I'm really glad that I watched it and gave it a chance. I don't know. Jump scares in general are kind of, (laughs) I literally scream out loud. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Got to be a little careful about, you know, going to the movies and seeing them with people around. Love it. Um, I recently watched The Bride of Chucky for the first time. I know. I know. It's... Oh, my goodness gracious. I know. But I, I had been watching the sci-fi series and loving it and realized, like, oh, I've only seen, like, one or two of the actual Chucky movies. And they were all on Tubi. Um, and it was so fun. Oh, like, yeah, Absolutely super fun you know tiffany and chucky just absolute pair just soulmates right just (laughs) for life absolutely that's a great one with like puppets and just going crazy and um i had one of those dolls one of the like the little what chucky's based off of one i don't even know what they're called when i was a kid it was like the best friend it's like with the red curly hair and the overalls I definitely have Raggedy Ann and Andy no no it no. actually was like I think it actually talked to you um like a my buddy I think that's what uh-huh. it was called I think it was called my buddy um so it took me a while to get into watching Chucky because it definitely reminded me of when I was a kid when I had one of those dolls but that's uh, you know super fun iconic series cult classic series that you know I feel like everyone in horror, you know, should probably watch at least one of those movies at one point because they're just so wild and fun. And then, of course, they Tiffany are. is great. Yeah. I do. I love her. Um, I was actually, I put off watching the Chucky movies for a long time because I, like, genuinely, as an adult, like, genuinely have a fear of dolls. Like, they unnerve me. I've, like, never felt comfortable around them. So it was something I was like, no, what if that actually scares me? And I was like, you know what? No, everyone says these are like funny and they are, they are funny. So it was, it was palatable to not get me too scared over killer talking dolls. Well, I am very afraid of spiders. So I will not watch like eight-legged freaks or anything like that. I watched a which I guess could also maybe be a little bit 
camp or mm-hmm. be horror. Um, I watched that when I was a kid and that was it. Like, I'll never watch it again. I've been scared of spiders ever since. I used to check my bed for like my bed sheets to make sure there are no spiders in it. I checked my shoes every now and then. I still do. Like, that movie terrorized me. <laughs> For sure. So I understand, like, being afraid of something and not wanting to watch anything about it. Did you read that story, that, like, scary stories to tell in the dark story about the girl with, like, the the pimple that was actually, like, a bunch of baby spiders? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope, 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 nope. No, thank you. Yes, but I do know what you're talking about. Yes, spiders are so scary. No. (laughs) Yes. They are. Well, should we talk about some books? Sure, yes. That would be fantastic. (laughs) All right. I am starting off with a short story collection called The Razor Blades in My Head by Donnie Goodman. This came out, I want to say, last year, but I feel like time is a blur. So apologies if it was like 2019 or 2020. Um. But I picked this because of the final story, which is kind of like a novelette called The Old Baking, which, uh, I mean, short pitch is about like a giant crab uh, attacking a crabbing vessel, like a shipping boat, a fishing boat. So, of course. Um, But the story is about these two fishermen who own a failing business and they owe a large debt to a man named Otis Bailey, who's a mobster, and they call him the king of the old bay. So they are very desperate to catch some crab and make some money to pay this man off. And at first, it seems like all their problems are going to be solved when they spot a ghost ship. And needless to say, things go downhill from there. That sounds really exciting. (laughs) It is. And if you want to buy just that story, that story alone is available um, in the Kindle store. I think it's on Kindle Unlimited, but it's also featured in this short story collection. So... Um, not all the stories in here, I would say, are like B-horror, but a lot of them are. You've got like killer turkeys, you've got evil kids, you've got stories about wrestling, you've got like the titular story about a man who like feels something on the top of his head. And I mean, you can see what the short story collection is titled to know where that story goes. Very exciting. Um, but this was a ton of fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. I don't think I have read it. No. <laughs> But it sounds interesting. I'll just put that on my TBR. It was fun. It was a good time, but it was also very much leaning into the horror, you know, and it was very scary and gory. So, like, I don't know. If you're looking to have just the full spectrum of the experience, just like have like, you know, horror stories with crazy outlandish concepts that are having fun, um, I would suggest it. So, that is The Razor Blades in My Head by Donnie Goodman. Very cool. When we like discussed doing this episode the first book that came into my mind was Cirque Berserk by Jessica Guess which I I recommend this book all the time for people because first of all Jessica is an incredible writer like all of her stories and short stories are incredibly scary Um, but this one I really enjoyed Um, it's set in the past and in the present in the past there was a traveling carnival that got closed down and abandoned because a group of teenagers were said to have murdered 13 people and then themselves, you know? (laughs) So they, and in the present, we have a group of seniors from high school who are kind of bored and they go and they decide they're going to explore this abandoned carnival and see what the lore is all about. And what I love about her book is that it hits on some 
really like fun elements of horror. Like you have the sign on the closed abandoned carnival that says "Don't go in." Obviously, like you're gonna die. <laughs> you know, you get the warning. Um, but she also puts in a lot of like um, musical elements to it so if you wanted to have like a soundtrack to a book like the different parts are each have a musical um song attached to them like rhythm of the nights or kids in america or stuff like that and i just thought that was really fun and clever and there's a lot of murder but there's also like this story of you know teenagers fitting in wanting to live life to the fullest and um Lilith makes an appearance uh you know the queen of the underworld so it's a really it's a really fun book that I think a lot of people will certainly enjoy and Jessica's just an incredible writer so yeah that's one that I always I've recommended it like a hundred (laughs) times I'm glad you did I love Cirque Berserk I've definitely been singing its praises it is is so fun um and just as I just I really liked the characters I like where the story went it was so inventive and made me want to like wish I wish I could roller skate yeah right wouldn't that be okay. fun I can't yeah. either so yeah <laughs> yeah I think you hit like inventive is a good way because it took a turn that I didn't see coming like the whole like why things were happening I didn't expect it to go that route so I think that Jessica did a really good job of surprising the reader in a subgenre that you know perhaps people think they know where it's going they I think it's I think it would be fair to say that you'll be surprised like pleasantly surprised yeah definitely where would you rate this on the scariness scale is it room temperature fridge or freezer I would say, ooh, scary. I say fridge. You know what? I'm gonna go fridge. Um, but you know what? That's just me. Perhaps some people will will go in other ways. <laughs> I I really enjoyed more like I enjoyed the setting, the characters. I enjoyed why they were doing it, and I really liked the musical elements. I thought it was a fantastic book. I highly recommend. Uh, my second pick is one I mentioned. I think on the job horror like workplace horror episode but I thought it fit really well here as well and that is the Night Stalkers by Christopher Triana and Ryan Harding and I think this just won a Splatterpunk award if I'm not mistaken um but this absolutely plays out like a cheesy 80s movie like it has completely that vibe this is about two rival grocery stores and one of them is run by a cabal of Satan worshippers and like the store is called Devil's Food um And the other grocery store um, is having all these people forced onto an overnight shift to um, try to keep up with the demand so they can um, keep up with Devil's Food. And this is the night that Devil's Food decides that they are going to go in there, break in, and basically kill everyone working this overnight shift. So it is this standoff. It gets absolutely wild. It, it, It very much is that, like, blood, boobs, and guts flavor of like 80s movies um like a karen meets a deli slicer and that's like the first chapter like it is just absolutely going there a hundred percent like unapologetically 
I love that. I I have to read this book. Like, I, it sounds like something I would absolutely love, and I have not read it. But this this definitely sounds like a lot of fun. Grocery store horror, which seems to be a thing now. There was like a Daniel Kloss book. I probably said his name wrong or got it wrong. Um, where it's like a haunted. Well, it's not a grocery store, but it's a haunted fast food restaurant. <laughs> I just bought it. I that just came in the other day. Um, the burger that ate us. There we go. <laughs> I it, no, it's the too. ghost that ate the us. Ghost, it's the ghost, yes, that, the, ghost. the ghost that ate us. Nailed it. So. <laughs> and then it has a long subtitle, like the true story of the Burger City poltergeist or something like, like that. I like, obviously, I like food horror, but I like when horror is in places that we don't necessarily expect, like fast food or like a grocery store. Like those sound like a lot of fun. Yeah, or an Ikea, like a uh, horror star. Not an Ikea, but a Ikea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those yes. were air quotes that you couldn't hear. <laughs> exactly, yes. It's always fun when it says someplace that you're not expecting it. Yes. Uh, so I would say this is Fridge. Uh, you definitely can't give this to everyone. I think it definitely has to be someone that uh, is looking for and appreciates that flavor of horror. Um, so that is The Night Stalkers by Christopher Triana and Ryan Harding. Very cool. I um, thought of The Rue by Alan Baxter. So for people who are unfamiliar, this was kind of written as, I want to say, a little bit of a, a, little bit of a joke. <laughs> but in a good way, because, you know, Alan Baxter's from Australia, and there was a uh, viral real-life kangaroo going around the internet who looked like he worked out and had a six-pack and you know Alan Baxter was talking about it and we were all talking about it in the horror community about how it would be so much fun if somebody wrote a horror story based on this killer kangaroo with these six-packs and these incredible biceps and so uh, Alan wrote a story about a small rural Australian town that is being terrorized by a killer kangaroo and I will say this is a lot of guts and gore this isn't going to be for everyone because nobody in this book is safe children women men everyone is going to be a victim to the killer kangaroo but it's a lot of fun in that in that campy way i mean we get to see the kangaroo we see his orange flame eyes it's over the top it's very tongue-in-cheek it's very wink to the camera um and alan also has like a lot of familiar names in the horror community and there are a lot of authors like steve shred and keelan patrick burke so you get to see some people in there you know um and also what i really love about this is that there is a serious undertone to it Alan actually addresses, you know, things like domestic violence and male toxicity and like how farmers struggle and maybe turn to alcoholism, suicide rates and men. He has this really great um, note to the reader at the very end of the book talking about very serious matters. So I really love it. I really love it. It started out as sort of like, a, well, I wonder if somebody would write this book about this crazy kangaroo. And it turned into over-the-top gore camp with a very serious message. So The Rue by Alan Baxter, I think, was, I think it's great. I think it's a fun read. And it's quick. It's a novella, so it's definitely a quick read. I'll and I would read it for sure. Like, I go, again, you know, um, and, like, the other book that you mentioned, like, it's not going to be for everybody because it is, like, kids. I'm just saying, nobody's safe. <laughs> but I do think it's a good read. Oh, yeah, definitely also that note for the Night Stalkers. Like, there was a a kill that's teased, and I'm like, they wouldn't do that. 
they do do that. Mm. <laughs> nothing, nothing's off the page. Yeah, everything, <laughs> everything happens. Yep. I love that. I've seen that all around Twitter, so I definitely need to read it. Yeah. For my final pick, I was like, you know what? I should actually do one of the Rewinder Die books. I feel like I talk about them a lot. Uh, but I picked up Transmuted by Eve Arms, and I am so glad that I did. I love body horror, and this was so fun. This is about a trans woman named Isa who is a streamer, and she doesn't usually show her face. But in the beginning of the book, we kind of see that she's been fundraising for a while um, to get gender affirming surgery. And she's kind of like just hit that goal. She just has like all the money that she needs for this surgery when her sister shows up and tells her that her dad needs life saving surgery and basically drains all of her savings. So I don't know. Right away, I was already like, so on board with his character and so like devastated for her and then you see like she also has a tough relationship with her father and it sucks until she meets someone who gives her the name of a doctor who might be able to solve all her problems and give her this new experimental surgery that promises great results um so she goes and it's a it's a little shady and it's a little bit of like a strange procedure um and she needs to go back for like three visits but like the first visit is like really strange she's like dipped in this like weird liquid and she starts like hallucinating <laughs> um but she kind of sees like oh wow no it's working um and she like goes back for the the second one and it's like working but there's also like she's getting taller she's like almost seven feet tall now and she's like is this is like a weird like second puberty um but then the, the changes don't stop like the like her body starts completely transforming and i mean she's out to lunch with a friend when like her nose falls into a bowl of soup you know it's like <laughs> oh and it just takes a turn it is so fun like i was thinking i would honestly love to see this as a movie just because isa it's not a slasher but she's got big like final girl energy like in kind of like that last confrontation i'm like i would be down for this like i i really like this um i just had so much fun with it uh that is transmuted by eve harms i would say it's like fridge too yeah, I would think so. I love this one as well. It's super fast paced. Like when mm -hmm. I got to the end, I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I'm done. Like I want yeah. more, you know? And I also would love to see this into a movie. The transformation scenes or even when she gets that first um, injection from the doctor, those scenes were so visceral on the page. I can only imagine what they would do in the hands of like a director. They're incredible. That whole book was really fun. And that has a serious undertone too about, mm -hmm. you know, body acceptance. And there's even some fat phobia in it and interesting parts about, you know, this transformation that she goes through. Um and then it takes that turn that you mentioned that you just like, what the heck is happening? Like it just <laughs> goes off the rails. Um, and the final scene is incredible as well. So I, mm -hmm. I love Eve Harms. I hope that we see so, so, so much more <laughs> because like, this is a writer that I just, I absolutely love. I read this book and absolutely fell in love with Eve. So yeah, I agree. It's fantastic. Um, the final book that I had picked is a book that I just read kind of recently. It's Man Fuck This House <laughs> by Brian Asman. And I read it solely based on the title. 
And it didn't disappoint. You know, it's it's a haunted house story, but it's a little bit different than what we usually see. You have your typical suburban family, mom, husband, daughter, son. Um, the mom's name's Sabrina. The son's name's Damien. You know, you get those little nods. Um, and they move into this new house. And we have a few dynamics set up. Sabrina is feeling very much like that, how, like that, that um, suburban mom who doesn't really know what to do with herself, you know, she's trying to figure out, like, she gave up stuff for her family, you know, and then she has this very weird son, Damien, who she's afraid of because he's so incredibly creepy, like, he lives up to his Damien name, and what we start to see is that she hears things and sees things, and the house sort of starts... um, Falling in love with her is the way that I thought of it to myself. The house really takes a liking to Sabrina and takes offense when Sabrina feels offended. And so things spiral in a direction that is, I would say, pretty unique for a haunted house story. And then the final act is so wild. In a million years, you couldn't have, like, I was just like, oh, okay, we're going here. Perfect. Um and then, yeah, the, the, those final scenes are a bit surprising. So I would say this is a really interesting haunted house story. It's a very fast read. Again, um, it takes in a different direction that I didn't see coming. And it's um, it takes the trope and it just does a little something different with it, you know, with a, a, a suburban mom and her really creepy son. So, so yeah. So Man Fuck This House, Brian Asman. I would say Fridge, too. I, I think... Um, yeah, I think that that would be an appropriate one. Not super, super scary. Not, you know, but it's it's fun. It's a good one. I love it. I mean, yeah, that was another one I saw all over Twitter, and I saw that title, and I was like, perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. Any title like that. Title game. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> well, that sounds interesting. Now that I know kind of what it's about, after I had been like seeing it everywhere and thinking like I'm gonna read it eventually. Uh, so that sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was interesting for a house to have this relationship with this woman and to see where that takes it. It was interesting. Well, uh, one of the traditions on the show is to talk about a chilling obsession or something that we've been enjoying in like horror media or horror adjacent media lately. So what have you been enjoying? I just finished binging Evil on Paramount Plus, which I got into really deep <laughs> I was like gotta keep watching gotta keep watching and I'm excited to know that they have another season season four has been approved at least that's what the internet says um but it's about a priest and an agnostic psychiatrist and an atheist scientist who mm-hmm. uh kind of <laughs> um who look into the paranormal infestations and and things of the like and so there's a lot of dynamics that play out there's a you know a lot of good versus evil there's a lot of family dynamics between um the agnostic uh, psychiatrist and her husband and her mother and her four children um <laughs> this show is so i always have issues with this show's setting because she has a house underneath this giant train track mm-hmm. and then the inside of her house is it's just so strange and like the set directors I don't know what like they just have it all very dark but then they have like these uh, cut out stars hanging from the ceilings because she has four girls it's I don't know it's just (laughs) every time 
I see that house, I'm like, that is a very interesting choice that they made. Her bedroom is like black and very ornate. And I'm just like, would a, would a house look like this? I don't know. But that, but other than that, <laughs> I, I just, it's a fun um, good versus evil demon, Satan, God type of show that, yeah. Yeah, on Paramount Plus. And that's what I've been watching. I just finished it. Awesome. I watched the first two seasons and then I was like waiting for the third season. So it's fully out now. Okay. All right. I will have to dive in and get caught up. Uh, but yeah, that was a really, a really fun show, too. I think, like, once we get into, like, who everyone is and, like, what's, like, behind everything, it's really fun. And then, like, yeah, I mean, by the end of season two, I don't know where season three goes, that, like, everything might all be connected and part of this, like, larger conspiracy yeah for sure for sure and all the evil is closer to everybody than they think Uh, yeah Yeah. i think it's a good show i'm excited to see what season four has i am too um mine i'm going in a little bit of a different direction i'm choosing a an album that just came out by ethel kane called preacher's daughter uh this is like southern gothic indie folk um but it's like a story album which is why i'm choosing it so it is like this fictional story about like this woman named Ethel and I will spoil it just because I don't think that in any way takes away from like you enjoying the songs and I think actually some of the songs kind of need the context for you to like understand like what is even going on but essentially it's like her mourning the loss of a lover and then like she falls in love with um, another man who is a criminal and um dies in a shootout and she was a preacher's daughter and she like runs away from home and meets this man who uh tries to kidnap her and yeah it's it's pretty rough and she tries to get away and he murders her and ends up cannibalizing her goodness she's like yeah so i'm like it's dark it's like a dark dark like southern gothic like yeah fully getting into like my religious trauma and then the um a final song is like he is like cannibalizing her corpse and she is like singing about like watching him do this. All right, cool. <laughs> so I know it sounds absolutely bonkers, but it is like a very like serious and artistic and like beautiful album that you're like, it's a beautiful song. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Perfect. I'll put it on while I'm folding laundry. <laughs> Great. That took a turn, I got to tell you. When you first started talking about it, I was like, this is interesting. And then it really spiraled, escalated yeah. quickly. <laughs> All right. Funny. Yeah, it is. It is. That is Preacher's Daughter by Ethel Kane. And then for our final tradition on the show, I always ask guests for a final girl song. So, Nika, what is your final girl jam? Yeah. <laughs> I picked Red Rover by Scene Queen, who is a metal, I guess maybe maybe more like soft metal artist. Um, and it has a very final girl. I've kind of been listening to it on repeat as my feminine rage has been escalated <laughs> lately <laughs> with everything going on. So, yeah. So uh, Red Rover by Scene Queen is a lot of fun. I love her. I do love that her album is called Bimbo Core. That is just like absolute perfection if you don't know her she's on tiktok and like that is her thing is that she's like this scene queen like 
makes like metal music and screaming but you know she's like head to toe like in pink and hyper feminine she's blonde fully pink kind of like a barbie vibe while screaming into the microphone yes exactly (laughs) so absolutely perfect definitely fits the vibe of that playlist so can't wait to add that on well thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about bee horror and campy horror and all the fun horror yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Where, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all on Nico Bell Fiction and my website, Nico Bell Fiction. All right, perfect. And then you have books that people can check out. I know we talked about Food Fright. Food Fright, um, and I have Beyond the Creek, and then me and Sonora Taylor just put out Diet Riot, a fatter punk mm-hmm. anthology, which is fat positive horror, and then me and Roxy Voorhees are putting out with Creature Publishing a uh, pro-choice anthology um, that should be coming out really soon. We're working on it. It's going to be a fast turnaround, so that's coming well, out. Awesome. Well. Yeah, keep us updated on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. <laughs> Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, or on TikTok at Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. If you would like to support the show, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to become a Patreon supporter on Patreon. There's like a one, three, and a $5 tier. And there's different things that come with each tier, like early episode releases and Voxer chats and movie nights and getting to know what episodes are coming up and getting to ask questions when I interview authors and things like that. So if that sounds interesting to you, definitely check that out at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. Um, Another way to support the podcast is to use the Amazon link that takes you kind of right to Amazon and you just do whatever normal shopping you would normally do. And a small percentage of that goes to help the podcast. If you would like to help the podcast without spending money, there are a lot of ways to do that. Uh, Most of them involve word of mouth. Just tell someone about the podcast, post about it on your Instagram story participating in the you know books in the freezer reading challenge anything like that talking about the podcast just helps spread the word especially when it's a you know indie indie sort of deal like this you know we thrive on word of mouth and just thank you to all of you who take the time to do that and of course leaving a review on apple Podcasts, just like a few sentences i think it can honestly be like one sentence and a star rating um if you use spotify i think you can just do a star rating it's like a quicker process if you're a spotify user so thank you to all of you who have done that i did see we have quite a few reviews on there so again thank you so much i really appreciate it I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. Or on Instagram at That's What She Read. And that's That's with two A's. See you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 